The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast America is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog Pick'em for a chance to win 100 times your money. Promo code SGPN at UnderdogFantasy.com for a 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports fan research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Enter their free Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win $100 cash and a $100 SGPN gift card at sportscampockets.com slash Daytona. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently Thursday night, late Thursday night, February 15th. Number host, always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun bit of a short episode, though, because we do have to preview the quarterfinals in Buenos Aires and in Rotterdam. But that also leads to a brief point I want to make, which is a PSA. I do think that it makes a lot more sense moving forward to potentially skip Del Rey, uh, especially based on the time difference between the matches in Buenos Aires and the time differences in Rotterdam compared to Del Rey. Because, for example, Del Rey is still going on. Estiafo is currently in a battle against Albert. So because of that, I think it makes more sense to potentially bypass it because by the time they end up posting the quarterfinal lines, all of them, for Delray, it'd be like 2, 3 in the morning, and the matches at Rotterdam start pretty early. So because of that, we are going to temporarily skip Rotterdam, uh, we are going to temporarily skip Delray, and instead we are going to focus on Rotterdam and on Buenos Aires. Feel like a sacrifice we kind of need to make to make sure that this episode comes out early enough for all of you to get uh, access to the picks and previews for the other events that start early in the morning. But that's kind of my brief... Uh, announcement there, we will not be covering Delray in this episode. We'll only be covering Buenos Aires and Rotterdam. Now, as for the actual recap of the last episode, before we get into any of that, I do want to remind everybody to hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube and to rate and review the podcast on Spotify and on Apple. Also, a reminder to check out the merch store on SGPN's website for Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. T-shirts, mugs, you get the drill. But if you want to support the show, you know where to find merch for the actual podcast. Anyway, time for the actual recap of the last episode, starting off with the lock and dog picks. Unfortunately, ended up not winning uh, the dog. The lock ended up pushing. We had Daniel on the money line at minus 144 against Duckworth. Unfortunately for us, Duckworth ended up was being so injured that he ended up not showing up for the event, which I thought was a possibility. I have no regrets with regard to actually making the selection anyway. It was a free roll as far as I'm concerned. Either Daniel was going to win because Duckworth was extremely compromised, or he wasn't going to show up and we would get a void no matter what. Unfortunately for us, it was option B, but we had a chance to free roll there. I have no regrets, and hopefully in the future, when we, when we fade injured players, they actually suit up and play one set. Picked up a push there. As for the dog, picked up a loss. We had a two-pick parlay with Herc catch money line and Shapovalov money line at plus 130. Herkash got it done, was not easy, as he beat Laheshka in a final set breaker. Shapo, though, ended up losing in straight sets to Monfi, 7-6-7-6. Had some chances in the breakers, could not convert, and Monfi did get the job done there. So, unfortunately, did lose the lock. Uh, uh, we did push the lock, and we lost the dogs. Hopefully, we'll sweep here in this episode for the quarters. As for the actual tournaments, going to briefly recap the round of 16 action in Buenos Aires and in Rotterdam. Starting off with the action from a couple of days ago, so Tuesday, uh, Echeverri's been very solid. Uh, he ended up beating Galan in straight sets with a bagel in the second set. Lahovich ended up beating Tabilo. He's been in good form, too, after upsetting Fees in the first round. You saw 
Uh, just trying to think of who else ended up making it through. Jari had a war against Warenka. Probably should have uh, lost the match because Warenka was serving for the match in the third set, but choked it. And Jari eventually won the tiebreaker 7-5. And to get into the action in Rotterdam on Tuesday, you ended up seeing Rublev win a massive war against Felix. Probably should have lost that match too. He was down triple match point, serving for it though. And Felix choked it as Rublev ended up winning the last couple of games as he won 7-5 in the third. Uh, Sinner has been pretty solid, beat Dezanshulp in straight sets. Did lose a set to Monfivo, surprisingly, on Thursday. But he got the job done there in three Dimenauer has been great. He uh, ended up winning in straight sets against Golfin and against Korda, so he's been in good form. Rune did lose against Shevchenko on Thursday. Did end up beating Safulin in the uh, Wednesday match, or no, in the Tuesday match. I mean, right now that was Wednesday. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm mixing up my days. Uh, but the point is, Rayonich has been solid as well as he ended up beating Dejong and he beat Bublik in straight sets. Dimitrov has been good too as he ended up beating Sonigo and he also ended up beating. Of Vuksovic's in straight sets, so he's continues to be in good form. Basically it, though, nothing really more to add for those matches. Had a couple of marathons, though, on Thursday. I kind of bled into some of it because I mentioned that Shevchenko did end up beating Rune in three on Thursday. Greekspor won a phenomenal match against her catch. Three sets, three tie breaks, and Greekspor got the job done in front of the home country fans in the third set breaker. So her catch went down uh, in a bit of a surprising upset there. The head-to-head matches between those two guys, though, have been extremely competitive, so not a total shock if you dug into the head-to-head data, but Greekspor got it done. Uh, Sinner beat Monfi in three. Monfi has won Rotterdam two times before, so this is definitely one of his favorite events of the year. Still looked good, though. I called him washed, and he did look a lot better than I thought he would, but Sinner was too much in the end. Rusevori did beat Struff in straight set, 6-3, 6-3. Moving on to Buenos Aires, Vavasori ended up beating Dejir in straight sets. Not a total shock because Dejir had a hard time beating Chilich, who has been well past his prime for the last couple of years, still rehabbing from injuries. Correa pulled off an upset against Nori in three, competitive match, but he got the job done for the home country fans in three. Alcaraz came back, did win in straight sets. Second set got a little bit dicey there, but he did hold on to 175. And Baez avenged his loss to Darderi in the previous tournament as he ended up winning in Buenos Aires in straight sets, 6-4, So not much really else to add uh, for those two events. Uh, so we are going to move ahead into the actual previews for the quarterfinals in Rotterdam and the Buenos Aires. We're going to start off with Rotterdam, though, just based on chronological order. Rotterdam is going to be starting at around 7 a.m. tomorrow. Or, uh, yeah, tomorrow because it's still Thursday. So on Friday, Rotterdam is going to start at 7 a.m. And Buenos Aires will be starting at about 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. So we're going to start off in Rotterdam. And we're going to go into the first match, which will be between Dimitrov and Shevchenko. Dimitrov is a decent favorite here. In fact, I'm kind of underselling. He's a massive favorite here. As Dimitrov is about minus 518 on the money line. While Shevchenko is around plus 398 the other way. For the game spread, Dimitrov minus 4.5 is minus 107. Shevchenko plus 4.5 is minus 113. Over-under is set at 21.5 games. The over is minus 112. The under is minus 108. If you want to go for set wagering, you can find Dimitrov in straight sets at minus 145. Shevchenko to win a set is plus 115. Uh, Over 2.5 sets is available at plus 180. So Shevchenko pulled off a nice upset win against Rune in Thursday's action as he ended up winning the first set, then fumbled the second set, 6-1, and then got back on track, winning 6-3. Has gone to three sets, though, in each of the last two matches because he went to three against Shang in the first round as well. 
As for Dimitrov, he ended up winning in straight sets against Sunigo and straight sets against Fuksovics. So he's been good, but there has been some competitive uh, sets in there. As you're looking at a 7-6 against Sunigo and a 7-5 against Fuksovics. So the question is, there's a no head-to-head data to draw from. Do I think Shevchenko can win a set? I think he's going to get close. Is he going to that? I'm not sure about because Dimitrov's versatility I just think it's too much for Shevchenko to handle. I think that Dimitrov can outlast Shevchenko in the long rallies, and I do think that the slice game, the volley game, the, all the other intangibles that Dimitrov brings, Shevchenko just doesn't have. So I do think Dimitrov's going to win. 5-18, though, uh, that's a little bit disrespectful, in my opinion. I think Dimitrov is going to win, but I think it might be competitive. I really don't mind Shevchenko plus the four and a half games here at minus 113. Dimitrov, I think, can win this 7-6, six, 6-4. Six, Something competitive, respectable, but I'm not picking Shevchenko to win. But I do think Dimitrov will get it done, and I do think he'll end up advancing to the semis, hopefully, to cash our quarter pick, because we had Dimitrov at about plus 162. So hopefully he gets it done, and that will cash it outright for us. But the point is, I think Dimitrov will get it done. But Shevchenko has been in front of the podcast. He's cashed us a lot of bets this season. I've had a good read on his matchups for the last couple of months. I think Shevchenko can hang in there but he's not going to win. That's kind of my stance on that one. Moving on to the next matchup, you're going to be looking at a matchup between Rublev and Dimitra, and uh, sorry, Rublev and Dimenauer, which might be the match of the day. So going through the actual betting odds here, Rublev is a slight favorite, about minus 120. Dimenauer is about even money. As for the game spread, minus one for Rublev, plus one for Dimenauer. The over-under in games is set at 23. The over is minus 106. The under is minus 114. Uh, if you want some alt lines, the over 22 is at minus 140. Under 22 is plus 110. If you want the set wagering, you can find the over two and a half sets at about plus 120, plus 125. If you want the set wagering in terms of the two zeros, Dimitra, uh, I keep doing that, uh, Dimenauer to win in straight sets is plus 250, and Rublev to win in straight sets is plus 200. Now, this head-to-head has been a serious war and if you want to treat it like a basketball series, this is game seven because each player has won three of the six career head-to-head meetings, and they've all been very, very long. So they faced off in the Australian Open this past year, and Rublev did win in five. Faced off in Paris in a last year's matchup, Rublev ended up winning that one in three. Faced off in Rotterdam last year, and you saw Dimenauer win in straight sets. And they faced off in Monte Carlo in 2022. Rublev won in three. Faced off in the next-gen final in 2018. Dimenauer won in four. Faced off in D.C. in 2018. Dimenauer won in three. So basically, if you want to do the math there, that means that in five of the six career head-to-head meetings, they've split the first two sets. So my prediction for this match is pretty simple. Give me absolute chaos. Give me the over. I think you're going to see an absolute war. Dimenauer winning, though, in Rotterdam does make me believe he's got a shot to win this thing because I've seen how he's looked in this event. Rublev probably should have lost to Felix in the last round. So Dimenauer has looked more comfortable at this point in the tournament, but I do think Rublev is the better player. Dimenauer did beat him, though, last year in this exact event, so I do think Dimenauer has a slight edge, but I would lean to the over anyway. I think you're going to see a very close matchup. It's a battle of conflicting styles. Rublev has a lot of firepower. Dimenauer is more of a defensive uh, guy to keep the ball in play. And as a result, with the conflicting styles, each player tends to have moments in these head-to-head matches. I think you're going to see a pretty similar script here. I am going to go with the over in this one. Uh, The sets, plus 125. The games, I don't mind. I prefer 22.5 over 23. I wouldn't mind paying minus 120, minus 125. But I do think the over gets there, and that's going to be my main pick 
for this matchup. Moving on to the next one, you have Greek Spore against Rusevori. Greek Spore is about minus 163 on the money line, while Rusevori is around plus 130. As for the actual over-under, set at 23 flat at about minus 110. Now, for the head-to-head, this has been one-way traffic, surprisingly, because you wouldn't assume that one of these two guys has owned the other one in their careers. But it's true, because Greek Spore so far in his career is a casual 4-0 against Rusevori, and he's not dropped a set. Based off in Stockholm last year, Greek Spore won in straight sets. Davis Cup last year, Greek Spore won in straight sets. Faced off on grass last year, and Greek Spore won in straight sets. And then they faced off in a Futures event in 2017, Greek Spore did win in straight sets. Now, Greek Spore has been fantastic so far in this event. Ended up having a pretty competitive first two rounds, beat Musetti in a final set tiebreak and beat her catch in a final set tie break on Thursday. As for Arusavori, he had a bit of a war against Umber, but we picked him to win that one because Umber had just been off of a title in his home country in Marseille. We thought fatigue would be an issue, and Arusavori had the head-to-head number on uh, Umber, and it worked out to his advantage. Then he beat Struf comfortably 6-3, 6-3. So you can argue maybe fatigue will be an issue for Greek sport who's had back-to-back marathons in this event. Having said that, the home country fans are behind him, and he is 4-0 in the head-to-head. Now, we already have action on this match because we gave out Rusevori to win the quarter at about plus 750. So plus 750, it's a hell of an opportunity to hedge if you want to take Greek sport. So hopefully Rusevori gets it done because that would be a nice outright to cash. Do I think Rusevori is going to win? Probably not. It's tough to go against Greek Spore with a 4-0 head-to-head advantage. Three meetings last year, never dropped the set against them, and the home country fans have definitely helped propel Greek Spore to these tough wins against uh, his opponents. And with him beating Hercatch, and with him beating uh, Musetti in the first two rounds in marathons, I do think the crowd support is going to help him. So I do think Greek Spore gets it done I would probably link to the games here uh, with the fact that he has not dropped a set. It might just be a matchup thing where Rusevori can't solve him. But given the home country guy who has beaten some good competition, Rusevori has beaten some good competition too, but Umber was maybe a bit compromised physically after winning in Marseille. And we know that Struf has been fine. Not great. He kind of peaked last year in grass season in Stuttgart, I believe. But the point is, I do think you're looking at a spot where Greek Spore should get the job done, keep the home fans entertained, and you'll see him win maybe a marathon, maybe not, but give me Greek Spore to get the job done with the spread here at about minus one and a half games, minus two. And moving on to the final matchup in Rotterdam, we really did not save the best for last because this is the one of the biggest favorites on the actual card. You have Sinner against Rayonic. Shout out to Rayonic for making it this far. Sinner is a minus 1,500 favorite, and Rayonic is about plus 900. The over-under is set at 21 flat. If you want to go for the game spread, Sinner minus 4.5 is plus 105. Rayonich plus 4.5 is minus 125. As for the actual set wagering, Rayonich to win a set is plus 240. Sinner to win in straight sets is minus 300. Alt over, you can find 20.5. The over is minus 130. The under is even money. Now, Sinner, of course, is the better player. Rayonich is surprisingly here, but he's been very comfortable. Beat DeJong and beat uh, Bublik without dropping a set. Or dropping serve, which is not a total shock because Rayonich is a great server. But he appears to be healthy right now. Knock on wood. We'll see what happens. Should Sinner be this big of a favorite? 1500 is a lot for a guy that dropped a set to Monfi on Thursday. Is he going to lose? No. Like, Sinner's going to win the match. The question is, do I think Rayonich can do enough to keep it competitive? Can the serve do enough to keep the scoreline respectable? 
I think it can. I think you're looking at a spot where Rayonic loses, maybe in two tie breaks, maybe you get a 6-4 in there. Four and a half games, though, sounds massive to me against one of the better servers on tour when healthy. Rayonic has not dropped a, an actual service game yet, and now he's getting four and a half. Now, the argument is Sinner is a very good returner, and Sinner's probably not going to get broken in this match either. So I don't think Rayonic is going to break. That's kind of the problem. But four and a half, that's a massive line. I think I'm going to lean to Rayonic plus the four and a half, maybe the over at 21. But if you get one breaker, in this match, you're basically set. So I do think you're looking at a spot where a breaker is actually a decent possibility, maybe a 7-5 or a 6-4. But the point is 6-4, 6-4, you still cover the four and a half games. But four and a half just feels too high to me. I know Sinner's a good returner. I get all that. Barionich's serve has been solid. We know that he can volley. He's going to get killed in the long rallies. It is what it is. It comes to the territory. But I do think the spread's a bit high. And I do think if Barionich can just hold he should be able to cover this. So give me the over. Give me Rayonich to cover the four and a half. But I do think Sinner wins in straight sets, probably 7-6-6-4, 7-6-6-3, something like that. But the spread does feel a bit high. I am going to lean to the dog here, and I am going to take Rayonich plus the four and a half to get the job done while losing the match in straight sets. And moving on to Buenos Aires, looking at the actual uh, schedule for the card. You have the first matchup between Lahovich and Diaz Acosta. Uh, Lahovich is a slight favorite here, about minus 118, and Diaz Acosta is about minus 102. For the game spread, Lahovich minus half a game is minus 105. Diaz Acosta plus half a game is minus 115. Over-under for games is set at 22.5. The over is even money. The under is minus 120. For set wagering, you can find the match to go to three sets at plus 130. Lahovich in straight sets is a plus 220, and Diaz Acosta to win in straight sets is plus 200. Now, Diaz Acosta does have the home country advantage, and he has been good so far in this event. Diaz Acosta has not dropped a set, beat Altmaier in straight sets, and beat Sarundolo in straight sets. Sarundolo's been a disaster in 2024. He's been really, really bad, lost in a tiebreak in the first set, then he smashed the racket, and he got bageled in the second set. So, don't get me wrong, beating F. Sarundolo is a good win. But I have to point out Sarundolo has been in really bad form. So the win isn't as meaningful as it might have been last year, for example. But I do think that Lahovich is the better player as he has beaten fees and he beat to be low. However, I do have to point out that if you're comparing the opponents, I do think Altmaier and Sarundolo are better than Fees and Tabilo. Fees, I think, is the best player in that group, but he wasn't exactly playing much clay tennis before this event. So you can argue Russ might have played a factor, a lot of double faults in that match. I think it's going to be a war. Uh, I think it's going to probably go three sets, but I think I am going to lean to the home country guy. I'm going to lean to Diaz Acosta. I, I just think that he's in good form. I think he's able to get the job done. Uh, Catfish asked this is the first head-to-head -head meeting. It is. They've never faced off against each other. But I do think it's going to be a close matchup. Lahovich is older. He's off a three-set marathon. And luckily for him, though, he did not play yesterday. So he should be able to fully recover for this upcoming match. But I do think you're looking at a spot where Diaz Acosta is good enough to definitely get the job done. Should be a war, though. So I like the over. Two and a half sets at about plus two, about a plus one thirty, and I think that Diaz Acosta is going to get the job done. Will not be easy. Might go down to the wire, but I'm going to pick the home country guy. I don't mind a team total over for either guy at twelve and a half. I see a marathon, so I think you're probably looking at what should be at least one of these guys going over twelve and a half. 
Maybe you bet both. I see Diaz Acosta over 12.5 is plus 105. Lahovich uh, over 12.5 is minus 105. I personally think at least one of them go over. Maybe both. But I see a close match. Give me Diaz Acosta, though, in the coin flip at minus 102 in front of his home country fans. Moving on to the next matchup. You have a matchup between Baez and Coria. As you have Baez, about a minus 225 favorite. Coria's about plus 175. As for the over-under, you can find that at 21.5. Basically, minus 130. You can find 22.5 at about minus 110. Either way, now the head-to-head has been very close between these two. Faced off two times on clay in the past. Uh, in fact, it was last year. And they split both meetings. Each meeting went to three sets. Faced off in the Cordoba final, Baez won in three. Faced off in Bastad, and Coria did win in three with a final set tiebreaker to boot. Now, Baez has to look good so far in this event. Got revenge against Darderi, and he ended up beating Zapata Marais in straight sets. Zapata Marais is a pretty good clay player, but he's had an abysmal start to the, to the uh, 2024 season. So kind of a similar story. Not exactly to Sarundalo, but you get the point where the guy is not exactly in great form. So the win might not mean as much uh, based on what the name brand usually brings. But as for... Coria, he's been very solid. Beat Offner in three sets. Probably should have lost the match. Offner was serving for the match and choked it. And he beat Nori. Good win there. Defending runner-up in three sets in the matchup on Thursday. So, simply put, give me the over in this one. I think based on the head-to-head history and based on the different styles, Coria, not exactly a lot of firepower. He's a pretty standard rallier. Going to keep the ball in play not going to beat himself, and Baez is going to go for powerful shots, which might result in a lot of unforced errors, but the head-to-head is tied 1-1. Both meetings went to three sets. Both players have home country fans, so it's going to be a wash with the crowd. Give me a very competitive match. Might go three. Give me history to repeat itself again at about plus... Uh, I'll take the over 21.5 at minus 130. You can probably find the over 2.5 sets at about plus 120, plus 130. I don't mind that either. Give me a competitive match here. The value, though, I do think is on Coria, just based on the price. Baez, 225, feels a little bit steep to me. I think he's probably going to win, but that's a pretty large number. I'll lean to Coria plus the games, and I'll lean to Coria and Baez over the total in this one. Moving on to the next matchup, you have a matchup between Alcaraz and Vavasori. To be honest, I'm not really going to waste anybody's time on this one. Alcaraz is minus 2,000. Vavasori is plus 1240. Over-under for games is set at 18.5. In other words, do I think Vavasori gets his ass kicked? I don't know, because he's been in decent form, but Alcaraz played his first clay match in a while against a pretty good clay player with Ugo, and he looked really good. He probably should have won it comfortably. Then the second set got dicey because Alcaraz got broken while serving for the match. But Ugo Carabelli was in good form, went to qualifying, did not drop a set, actually, leading into... Uh, actually, no, he dropped a set to Delian, but he had just come off of a clay title in the challenger circuit, beat Munar, beat Delian, beat Varius. Three pretty good clay players in either the main draw or qualifying. And then Alcaraz was absolutely burying him for the majority of that match before it got a little bit dicey and he got broken while serving for the match at 5-4. I think Alcaraz probably kills him, just, just simply put. I'm not going to spend much time on this. You can argue maybe if you want to go for an over at 18 and a half and you just hope the Vavasori can find a way to get the job done. That's not going to be me. I think Alcaraz wins 6-3, 6-2. I think he probably actually uh, sends this match under. But Alcaraz finally got a clay match under his belt. He's going to win defending champion. He looks comfortable here. 
I think he beats Vavasori pretty easily. Give me Alcaraz with the under. I think he's going to mop the floor with this opponent. And moving on to the final match, we have a good one between Echeverry and Jari. Echeverry's about minus 153 on the money line. Jari's about plus 133. Over-under in games is set at 23 flat. Uh, at minus 120 on the over, the under is even money. If you want the set wagering, you can find over two and a half sets at about plus 120, plus 125. If you want Jari to win in straight sets, you can find that at plus 250. And Echeverry to win in straight sets is in the high 100s, about 170, give or take 175. Now, looking at the actual matchup, it's a pretty fun one because both players are pretty good on clay, uh, but you're looking at the head-to-head and Echeverry is 3-1 and one in the head-to-head, but these matches have been competitive. In fact, each of the last couple matches have gone the distance, so you might see another marathon breakout between these two. Wouldn't totally shock me. Now, Echeverry has looked more comfortable in this venue with the home country advantage, and he looked very sharp against Galan, looked very sharp as well in the first round against the likes of uh, Car- Car- uh, Baina, who ended up beating in straight sets. So, echeverry has been in good form. Uh, you're looking at Jari, who played his first clay match in a long, long time, and he almost lost to Waranka. He was in good form after beating Kachin in the first round, but Jari has had a pretty underwhelming start to his 2024 season. Going through it, he was pretty good in the United Cup. Uh, Chile lost anyway. Won around in Adelaide, then lost to Laheshka. Not a lot of Issues with that because Laheshka won the entire event. Then went to the Australian Open, ended up losing to Kaboli in the first round. Then went to the Davis Cup, lost to uh, Busse, who was ranked in the hundreds. Like that was a very embarrassing loss by him. I think he was minus two thousand on that one. Uh, beat Varius though, and then ended up facing off against Walrenko one and three. So Jari is not exactly in great form. Echeverry is. I think Echeverry is the better player based on current form. Jari's the higher ranked player. I get it. But Javeri's looked more comfortable, and he's played more clay matches this season. I think he's in line to win this, the 3-1 head-to-head. They go through the actual head-to-head meetings, though, which I alluded to a second ago. It has been a pretty competitive last couple of matches. Faced off in Jari's backyard in Santiago last year. Jari won the event. That was actually the title match, and Jari did win in three sets. Faced off in Mexico City on clay, and Echeverry did win that one in 2022 in three sets with a final set breaker. Faced off in Cordoba in 2022, Echeverry did win in three. Point is, I expect to see a long match, a close match, but Echeverry's been sharper on clay, especially in this event this season, and he's been in better form than Jari so far this season. Give me the favorite. I am going to lean to the over. I am going to lean to Echeverry to get the job done. I don't mind Echeverry in three. If you could find that, I think it might be a, a pretty long match. But give me Echeverry to find a way to get the job done in front of the home country fans in route to improving his head-to-head record to 4-1 and one against Jari. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual preview of the quarterfinal matches here in Buenos Aires and in Rotterdam. Apologies once again for not doing Delray, but the matches end so late. I saw Tiafo did end up winning against Albin in straight sets. But now I got to wait two hours for the lines to come out. It's not worth my time. So I am going to just do these eight matches. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we continue that, I can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the SGPN Daytona 500 contest. Rub up those engines. NASCAR is back. Check out the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Rod and Cody have you covered for all things NASCAR and racing from trucks to cup to IndyCar to F1. This show gives you the drivers to watch and the most profitable picks for the weekend of racing. Enter their free 
Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win a $100 SGPN gift card and $100 cash. Go to sportscampockets.com slash Daytona, sportscampockets.com slash Daytona. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NBA, NHL, and college basketball, simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You win 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. Remember, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first positive to $100 on Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this, this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets, sports bet analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer by the historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary par optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet in which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with all of InBets to craft more intelligent, dead-driven parlays. Download all of InBets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the eight quarterfinal matches in Buenos Aires and in Rotterdam for Friday. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a matchup that I think is going to be a very competitive one. Uh, Full disclosure here, I do have a couple of overs for the lock and dog picks. For the actual lock, I'm actually contemplating if I want to switch the picks because I have one of them for sets, one of them for games. And the question is, do I want to actually flip it and take the games for one instead and the sets for the other one? Uh, let me just quickly see for a second what the price would be uh, for the sets here. Uh, it's tr- difficult to actually find some of the odds here. I think I am going to switch it. Uh, so let me just quickly take care of that. Uh, but for my lock, I am going to go to a matchup between uh, Dimenauer and Rublev, and I am going to go with the over in games at that one at 22.5 at minus 120. Simply put, you're looking at what should be a pretty competitive matchup between these two, as you've seen the head-to-head be a story of competitive matches between these two. And I think you're looking at what should be, once again, a very tough battle between the two of them. Now, if you want to look at the actual historical numbers between them, I mentioned before, this is game seven between these two, with each player tied at 3-3 in the head-to-head. So to go through the actual stats there, you're looking at a 3-3 with each player, uh, winning a set out of the first two in five of the six head-to-head meetings. The one exception, coincidentally, was Rotterdam last year, but still, the point is anytime you have a head-to-head matchup where the actual money line price is about a pick'em, Rublev's around minus 115, minus 120. So the odds makers can't even split these two guys. I see a very competitive match. I see a very close match. And based on the history and the style of play, I think you are in line to see a pretty unpredictable matchup that could go either way. But if you want to talk about where the value might lie here, I think the games are definitely worth the look, especially based on the conflicting styles. We know Rublev is a massive hitter, and we know Dimenauer is more of a defensive, keep the ball in play kind of guy that can result in a lot of unforced errors for Rublev, or Rublev does hit through Dimenauer, hits his spots, and gets the job done. Point is, I expect to see some ebbs and flows in this match, and because of that, I do think the over is worth the look. So it did pivot a little bit. Originally, I was going to take the over two and a half sets in this match, but I do think the games makes more sense because I can see a couple of longer sets between them. So for the lock, give me the over 22 and a half games in the Rublev and Dimenauer match. For the dog, I am going to go 
to Buenos Aires, and I am going to go with the matchup between the two Argentinians. Give me Baez and Correa over. Two and a half sets at plus 145. The main difference why I switched my picks was the plus 145, which I really can't resist. Two career head-to-head meetings. Each meeting went to three sets. So that's a good start. Four of Baez's last six clay matches have had at least 22 games. So we have seen Baez involved in a couple of marathon matches recently. Correa, though, has been a marathon man so far in Buenos Aires. Went to three against Offner. Went to three against Nori. So he's no stranger to going to long matches, maybe taking a set off or two, losing the first set, coming back and winning the second one. We've seen Correa have a lot of ups and downs in his form throughout individual matches. But with a competitive head-to-head, where each guy's won a match and it's gone to three sets both times, plus 145 is a massive price. So I think that line's off. I think it should be closer, in my opinion, to about plus 130, give or take. But I think plus 145 is too good to turn down. I am going to take that as my dog. So once again, the picks for the show, the lock is going to be on the over 22 and a half games between Rublev and Dimonauer at minus 120. And the dog will be Baez and Coria over two and a half sets at plus 145. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts, the network, the NBA show, the NFL show, WNBA show. You get the point. Uh, MLB show especially because we're going to be doing some division previews over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Baseball season right around the corner. So get excited there. But until next time, a reminder to like and subscribe and to hit the like button uh, with also uh, leaving a review and a rating on Spotify or Apple. Also check out the merch store uh, for Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.